Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa, praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, by no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever touched my lips. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had fallen upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I, that I could hinder God. When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus tells his disciples just before his ascension into heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, 
in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The rest of the book follows the church as it spreads through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It's kind of broken up into three sections, and so right here in chapter 11, we're looking at the transition between the witness in Judea to the Jews and the witness to the ends of the earth to the Gentiles. We're positioned right now as a church in a time of growth and a long period of transition. We might be tired. We might be discouraged. We might at the same time be excited. We used to have a lot of people in the pews, you might think, and we've shrunk. On the other hand, if you're newer, you might think, wow, there's more people than there were when I first started coming. It might be hard to get excited about something new because you've seen things flop in the past. We've had pastors for short periods of time, and it is hard to get to know someone, to trust someone, and wonder if they're going to leave. At the same time, we're excited. Things are getting back to normal. People are being baptized even today. Faithful work and worship is happening. And this kind of thing is going on in the rest of the church, too. Membership in mainline churches is declining precipitously, as many of you know. And there's anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety about the future. Some churches are clinging to traditionalism. Some are throwing everything out the window. The one thing we can agree on is that no one knows what the next age of the church will be like. We're at an inflection point here and all over the world. And so we're in this moment where the church, and not just our church, has an opportunity to make new choices, new decisions. And maybe we feel a little bit paralyzed. Why mess with something new when we're not sure it will work? When we're not sure who will stick it out with us? When we come up against an inflection point, the work is demanding, the data is discouraging. How do we know when it's time to try? In our text today, Peter is being faced with that question. Peter is recounting a dream that he had back in chapter 10. And just to make clear the basics of what's going on here, this dream is reckoning with the question of table fellowship and Jewish dietary laws. Observant Jews at this time in history, like Peter, like all the first Christians, are not supposed to eat with Gentiles, which is what Peter has just done with Cornelius, this man who sent people to find him. And there are many things the Old Testament law has established that they are not supposed to eat. These are questions of ritual purity. The bigger question at play here in this major inflection point for the brand new church is how and whether this faith that grew out of Israelite religion is going to incorporate the rest of the world. Are we going to bring them into the old thing or is God doing 
a new thing. We want to be careful about mapping this onto our own situation. The coming of Jesus is a unique event. Our last few years, the COVID pandemic, or the last few decades of church decline are not the resurrection of Jesus. What we learn from them is not a new gospel. The truth of the historic Christian faith, the good news, the holiness that we're called to have not changed. But what I wanna notice in this text today is how Peter and the elders in Jerusalem go about making the decision to part ways with ritual purity laws. How did they know that what they were doing together and where they were leading countless present and future Christians, including us, was what the Holy Spirit wanted? How can we know that what we're doing together as a church or in our families or in our individual lives is what the Holy Spirit wants? So I wanna pull out four points in this story to help us answer that question. First, they start out with a posture of obedience. Peter receives a vision instructing him to break the laws of ritual purity that he has been showing. And he says, of course not. He assumes he is being tested. And the believers in Jerusalem are suspicious as well. Why are you breaking the law, Peter? Why are you striking out in a radical direction? Are you sure that you're on the straight and narrow? You shared table fellowship with Gentiles. You are not supposed to do that. These people are not being judgmental or exclusionary. They are trying to obey God's commands for the purity of their worship. And they're careful because they're starting wanting to obey God. So that's the first thing we need to do when we're discerning the Spirit's work. Are we starting from a posture of obedience? Do we know and trust that God's will whatever it is, is for our good and for the good of the world? Does it rest deep in my heart that what God intends for me is ultimately what I want, whether it feels good right now or not? A few years ago, when I was an intern here, I had two interviews for a job as an associate pastor at an American church in Germany. And I would have absolutely loved to do that, but I didn't get it. And I was devastated. I was truly devastated. And I didn't want to move to Delaware, which is what happened. And I really wondered, what is the will of God for me here? Have I missed it? What is going on? I was very confused. Then a year later, I got a call to come back here. And I have to tell you, I would not trade it for the world. I'm very happy to be here. But it happened very fast, right? I only had to wait a year to see what God was doing. The kind of thing doesn't always happen so fast. There are things that we will die still devastated about. Things that we won't see come to fruition. We won't live to see what God is doing. There might be decades of your life where you're wondering, in this particular area, what is God doing? Do you know that God's will is for your good? When we make decisions together as a church, do we come in obedience to God's word and God's will? 
The second thing they do is to listen to what God has already said. One thing I love about this passage is that we can see Peter looking for God leading in a fully Trinitarian way. He receives a dream with a voice from heaven. He wants to obey. He interrogates that dream and God says, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. God has changed the expectation. God has changed something from impure to pure and God has acted to make these previously unclean things clean. And so we're seeing God engaged in what God does, making clean, making pure, making good, what was unclean, impure, sinful. Peter is seeing God act in line with God's character and in line with what the gospel proclaims over us, over sinners that God has made new. So Peter might suspect, okay, this sounds like God, but he waits for something even more. He listens for the Spirit's voice telling him in verse 12 to go with the men who have come to him, and he sees God, the Holy Spirit, do what has already been done. Look at verse 15. The Holy Spirit fell upon them, the Gentiles, just as it had upon us, the Jews, at the beginning, at Pentecost. This is a second Pentecost. Pentecost is happening again for the Gentiles, and Peter is watching it happen. He can see God doing what God has already done. And then finally, he cites actual words of Jesus. He looks back and he says, this is actually in line with what God has said. How well do you know God's story? Who God is, what God has done what God has said. How well do you know? If we want to follow that good path where God is leading, the best path for us, the one we want because we trust, we need to look at our decisions and our motivations and our desires under the light of God's word, in light of what God has done, in light of what God is like. And for that, we need to know him. But as all of us know, you don't normally hear a voice from heaven or see a vision. You might, but typically it's hard to know what God is calling us to. And if you're always sure you know, you're in dangerous territory. So how do we deal with that? Well, the third thing they do is to discern together. Peter and the Jerusalem believers challenge each other to be faithful. Look what else happens here. Peter's vision isn't the only one in the story. Cornelius, the Gentile that Peter ate with, has had a vision that confirms Peter's. An angel told him to send people to find this particular person. And the spirit tells Peter to expect those particular people. We don't usually experience visions, but you're not going to get a vision, usually, instructing you exactly what to do. But notice how both Peter and Cornelius were able to confirm the leading of the Lord through the witness of other people. When you have faithful Christians in your life who can speak into your life, who can hear about your needs, about your questions, your misgivings, your big decisions, 
you can always hear more clearly from God. I feel like God is pushing me in the direction of a big decision. Maybe you're saying, I'm thinking about moving across the country. I'm thinking about adopting a child. I'm thinking about how to handle caring for elderly parents. Can I run this by you? Will you pray about it and tell me if you feel God moving too? Who is that person in your life? And if the answer is no one, who do you want to get to know better? That's why we're here. That's why we are together to worship God. Are you cultivating your walk with God so that you can do that for somebody else? You can help somebody else discern their big decisions. Discerning together is one of the key responsibilities of the church and every little tiny community that makes up the church. And it's hard. When we need to make decisions together, it's easy to look at them as business to be transacted quickly. Depending on our particular values, we'll ask what will be the most efficient? What will be the most popular? What will be the most principled? In our weaker moments, what will irritate the smallest number of people? We annoy each other with our different answers to the question, what should we do? Because we're asking different questions. And we need all of those questions. But are we asking together, where is the spirit leading? Elders, trustees, deacons, community, committees, Sunday school teachers, open table volunteers, ushers, are you asking that question together? Spouses, are you asking that question together? Teenagers, when you're getting ready to launch into the world and you're tired of being told what to do, are you asking that question with your parents? Where is the spirit leading? The spirit lives in each one of Christ's people and so we are more likely to discern that leading in community with each other. Now, what about when the Spirit's leading has been discerned and the decision has been made and you are not thrilled about it? Verse 18 says, they were silenced and they praised God. That word silenced in Greek, the word silenced in English might sound a little oppressive. It might sound like I'm not going to talk about this anymore. I'm going to shut up, go along with the crowd. In Greek, it really means that their hearts were quieted before the Lord. Their misgivings and their doubts have been handed over to God. The arguments have been had, the questions have been asked, the prayers have been prayed, and now they are choosing to be at rest before the Lord and praising God for his work throughout this process, for the new thing that God is doing. We give glory to God for wherever he leads because we know that God's will is for our good. So I think about the next phase of life for our church and about the next big decision that we are all facing, many decisions in our lives. And I believe that scripture today is offering us a way forward. So I invite you, all of you, all of us, 
to ask God's help. To ask God to help us to discern the Spirit's work, to come to God in obedience, to remember who God is, what God has done, what God has said, to challenge and affirm each other, and to give praise and the glory to our God. Amen.